Thank you for joining us today. It is episode five, and we're talking with Mark Francisco, certified athletic therapist, registered massage therapist, and small business owner in rural Nova Scotia. Mark uh, and I talk about some controversial topics on ice or not to ice, the difference between athletic therapy and massage therapy, how massage therapy could relate to your prevention and treatment of injury, all his current credentials in rapid release and laser, the cause of your pain might not be the source of your pain, and creating an educated client-centered treatment and where we help educate you on how you can build a care team that provides you with the treatments you need to reach your own specific goals. Enjoy the show. Did you have this business started before you got the massage therapy? Uh, or was this post? Post. Post-massage. So I was doing um, athletic therapy here and there at the gym of the minus. And then I started full-time at the bat- with the Battle Wildcats. So then I wasn't treating general public. So I was there until the beginning of COVID. Then 2019, July is when I got my like my RT, and that's when I started aggressive sports therapy out of Whirlpool. And then, so basically, it wasn't anyway, and I was only two days a week because I still was a hockey team. And then COVID came, shut down, and then we reopened September 2020 and went full time. And yeah. And then it's just been growing since then. Yeah. And then that's when you recently opened Burwick. That uh, was about Burwick a year ago. January 2020. Okay. So uh, 2021. 2021, after the pandemic you know, shut down, following year you opened up in Berwick. Just to give a background on your expertise as a healthcare provider, you have started off as an athletic therapist. Where did you go to school for your athletic therapy? Sheridan. Sheridan. And how long were you in AT before you got your RMT? Three, four years. Three, four years. So after getting your RMT, You've opened up the two spaces. Do you still have the space in Wolfville? Canning. Canning. Yeah. Canning and Berwick. Yeah, I closed Wolfville uh, at COVID. So I had Wolfville and Canning before COVID. COVID shut down. And then can then it was just Canning until January 2021. Then it's Canning and Berwick. And so right now you're treating a general population and you're with football. Can- uh, football Nova Scotia. Yeah. Correct. How long have you been with Football Nova Scotia? Since 2017. 2017. What do you find is the biggest difference between working as an athletic therapist and working as a massage therapist? Like, do you find there's a huge difference, or have you, have your manual therapies just kind of like melded? They, they like they blend, but at the same time, like I'll do massage, and I'm like, oh, you need like therapy, so I'll do like some. I even tell people like my therapies are not like my massage is not a typical massage. Like, I'll be doing a massage, and if I find something that I need to address, I'll address that with, like, athletic therapy. Or now I took rapid, so sometimes I'll put some rapid in there at the end of the treatment. So you develop your treatment protocol for each client as an individual basis, whether you're going to shift more into your yeah. massage like, therapy. I find some massage client, and then I'll start with massage, and then maybe end with some athletic therapy stuff. It's a nice combination to have. Yeah. And it's a really good background because when you go to, because you went to ICT, yeah. Northumberland 
college um and they actually offer an opportunity to cut the course in half if you come in with a kinesiology or an athletic therapy degree which is quite helpful but i do also find that i blend my work a lot depending Mm -hmm. on who's coming in and some people just want the massage therapy and some people just want the athletic therapy and it's fine like you'll adapt to it Um, but as you get to know your clients you can you can kind of shift your treatments, but it's always on an individual basis. What do you find is the biggest thing that stands out? Like if somebody was to come in for an athletic therapy appointment with you, what is the biggest thing about the AT appointment that they should know? Like what should they prepare themselves for? Because a lot of people don't know about athletic therapy. No, I get that question a lot. So yeah, the athletic therapy is just, you know, um, in my space right now, we're kind of constrained with, uh, you know, some things like space. So a lot of it is manual. Um, so with me, it's, you know, um, we do a lot of manual, but then we, a lot of it is exercise. Um, so um, some people just want me to do some manual work, but I also, also include the exercise aspect of it, um, as well as, you know, some modalities. I don't really use too many modalities, but... Um, but to answer the question is, you know, when you come in and expect that you will be put to the limits because um, you have to find, you know, what is causing the problems. It's just, um, and yeah, so we'll, we'll push you, um, you know, so it might be a little bit painful um, at some time, depending on the injury, to get you where your full range is and maybe what's causing the problems. but. Uh, Yeah, that makes total sense. Because a lot of people don't understand that within their session that they are going to have to find that level of discomfort. Because if you're not finding the edge of your discomfort, how are you going to find out what's causing it? Exactly. Right? So if you take somebody through their assessment, um, but oftentimes they're like, well, it hurts when I do this. And what I've run into, and I don't know if this is the same for you, is then doctors will just be like, well, stop doing that. Yeah. Like, stop, stop, stop squatting you know what you want them to stop getting in and out of their car you want them to stop sitting on the toilet patients come in and say oh can i do this well yeah like so a lot of the talk is about listening to your body um you know doing going you know trying to do your activities in daily living but also listen to your body so you might not be able to do you know an hour or something you may be able to do half hour and then when your body starts telling you you know we're getting to that limit to not push it. So lately, I'm doing a lot of concussions, and that's what we've been focusing on is getting the patient to start listening to their body. Um, so there's a lot of them are surprised um, that they can actually do exercise, even though it hurts. I'm like, oh, I was expecting that I wasn't allowed to do anything. I'm like, no, we want you to, you know, be active still at school at Sheridan. Amanda, our clinic. Um, supervisor is like motion is lotion. Movement. You need movement in your life. Yeah. 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 And the standard answer for low back pain used to be like, don't do anything. Yeah. Which is sitting is generally the worst. Exactly. At, um, at responding to slow back pain. Usually this works. I mean, they're like, but I'm not doing anything. How can it be getting worse? Well, you're not doing anything. And the other half of it is, learning how to adapt the exercises for yourself is also very important. So if you don't know how to adapt something, 
to improve your health, that's when an ET comes in, right? Yeah. The study of the movement pattern that you're trying to gain or maintain and then building exercises around it. Exactly. And that can be done preventatively. Like you don't have to wait until you're hurt to come see an athletic therapist. Exactly. Do you find that very few people are preventative in... I've had two years, maybe one... I probably count enough on one hand of the amount of people that came for preventative work. And it was because, was it because they were already... Are they Were they athlete? They were, they were an athlete. They were an athlete. Yeah. One that comes to mind was uh, marathon. Uh, a couple were marathon runners. I, to be honest, I think they're all marathon runners. Who are trying to be preventative... For what's going to happen. But that's a highly repetitive sport. Yeah. Running is incredibly yeah. repetitive and high impact. Yeah. It's either marathon or triathletes, but they all were coming in because they had, you know, their uh, marathon or triathlete event coming up and they just want to be ready for it. That makes sense. And cross training is really important for them. Yeah. Because, again, the highly repetitive nature of their sport, they had plenty of lower body work in but sometimes the upper body gets completely ignored exactly with that prevention it's just because we're talking about athletes and sometimes people have this misconception that as an athletic therapist we only treat people who are distinctively athletes and people don't understand how important movement is for just everybody exactly yeah a lot of people is like oh so you just treat athletes I'm like no like we treat any as long as you're like not as long but you know athletic therapists we treat you know the athlete we treat the weekend warrior we treat you know if you're walking around and that's all you do is just go for walks every day like you know we treat everybody we're not just athletes yeah we might have started with just treating athletes back when athletic therapy you know became a profession in canada but now it's like we treat everybody. Well, everybody needs to be able to move. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so with your massage, do you find people come in for any preventative massage therapy treatments? Because they see like AT and massages are very different. I find that there's more people that come for preventative massage um, than preventative athletic therapy. Do you think that is because massage therapy is very passive for the person who shows up? Like... Most massage therapy treatments are just them. Yeah. Relaxing. I think that's it. They just want to come in and just, you know, not have to think about anything and kind of just remove themselves from what's going on in their everyday life. And then just for an hour or half hour, 45 or 90 minutes, they can just relax and not think about anything. How do people build um, athletic therapy and massage therapy into kind of how they approach their health and wellness how, how would you build that into somebody's monthly or weekly routine um definitely like the maintenance with massage and then you know with the athletic therapy is just getting well like exercises in to help you know stabilize your shoulder or your hips or you know just fixing the muscle imbalances um, because by you know by doing everyday activities you're, there are going to be some muscle imbalances so I think, you know, by you know, coming in for your maintenance massage and then coming in for, you know, maintenance checkup to see how everything's worked, how the range of motion is, how, you know, the hips are doing, if they're level or, you know, is there any compensation happening in the body? I think um, it would be the best way to do it. 
What are some compensations or muscle imbalances that you see most often? I see a lot of like um, the quad BMO, like uh, balance with glutes. Um, you know, a lot of uh, this year I had a lot of people with like patella, I don't know what's a generic, but patella for pain syndrome um, coming in with no generic knee pain. And a lot of times it's like BMO wasn't firing and, you know, um, the lateral aspect, what the thigh was so tight pulling on different structures and that's what I've been How does that traditionally present in those people? Like if somebody was experiencing potential patellar femoral pain, again, very generic term, or, you know, that quad not firing, how would that present? It would present yeah. more of like um, just general knee pain that and no real um, mechanism of injury. Like they don't remember doing anything to the knee. Um, they just gradually start getting pain um, around the knee. Um, and it's that like, my knee hurts. Where does your knee hurt? And then they kind of just like mime yeah, their like, whole knee. Well, like, you know, like it, yeah, just, it just hurts. Like, yeah, it just like, hurts. It just hurts. It's like what bothers you? It's like, oh, you know, like start bending. No, I try to get up. I can feel it. And then it just hurts. So I'm like, okay, perfect. So you kind of know what, and then you do some testing and you know, and then you find out, yeah, it's just, you know, very tight on one aspect and you're weak on the other. And so it's generally tightness on the outside of the quad and then weakness in through the inside of the quad. Yeah. Where would you start with somebody if they came in with that generalized knee pain? What would be your first step in improving it? What can somebody do like today if they can't get in to see anybody? What should they start with? Um, just like foam rolling the outside of the leg and then kind of isolating the quad, like facet medialis, oblique muscle, kind of with squats, ice, um, with like squeezing a ball between the knees. And yeah, just it's more of just releasing all the tissues. On the outside, manual yeah. therapy is very important for yeah. that. And it's easier to actually have somebody else do it to you than for you to do it to yourself sometimes. Yeah. Like there's some people that might be a little bit of a masochistic kind of painous gain, but other people can't get through that pain threshold to even get deep enough into mm -hmm. the tissues. So that's when manual therapists like yourself can break down the tissue. And yeah, it's not always comfortable. No. It's not a comfortable feeling at all. Especially if you're the IT band. Yeah, no. That's something would shy away from that. But you can build up to that in a therapy setting. And you said something interesting. Squats. Squats. I watch videos on squats all the time and I have to laugh at what people do. And I did bring this up in the last podcast that I did on somebody squatting on the top of two dumbbells and then completely wiping out mm -hmm. as if you need to change a squat all that much. But I've also had doctors tell my clients to not squat at all. Mm -hmm. Like don't squat. How do you, like, what is your opinion on that? Normally it's anyone comes in, I, I, like body weight exercises, you can't go around with body weight exercise. So it's, um, yeah, if he's like, oh, my knee hurts, we'll do, we'll do wall squats. Um, cause it's, you know, safe for the person. They have the support with the wall and then they just go down as far as, you know, pain will allow them. 
So our big thing is like, you know, some ex a lot of the exercises we want pain free. Um, so just getting it and trying to um, increase some of the load on the joint as safe as possible. It's very functional movement. Yeah. Because people do need to sit in chairs. Yeah, sit, stand up. Yeah. Sit in the car, you know, get out of the car. So it's, you know, you're told not to do that. You can't do a lot of things that you do in everyday life. Or sit on the toilet. Like, I don't understand how you can tell somebody completely to remove such a simple exercise. And what we aren't saying to people is go out to your local gym and, like, try to back squat 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. Right. And just, you know, going, even if it's 10 centimeters, you know, it's still helping. Do you have any frustrating things within the fitness community that like irks you because that irks me like telling people not to squat really bothers me because it's just such a generalization of something that you can adapt for any age right you can you can change the exercise is there anything for you that just when you hear it it's like nails on a chalkboard that you're like why are people still believing this misconception about exercise um, for me, mine is just if something else like don't do anything, just stop doing what you're doing. You know, for the most part, yeah, there's some things like, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that anymore if it's causing you pain. But a lot of times it's like you want, you know, you roll your ankle. Yeah, for a little bit, you want to limit the amount of stress on it, but you want to a little by little incorporate the range of motion. Like you don't want to stiffen up. Um, so that's the thing is like mine here is like, like isolate, immobilize it and leave it and it'll get better. Yeah, stop everything yeah. as if you can't, you know, gradually progress exactly. activity. Yeah, that's a frustrating one for me. And because it's also can be very frustrating for the clients if they're used to doing exercise and movement to be told to stop doing stop. what you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And I also find that as an athletic therapist, when we're looking at it as sports perspective, um, it's not the same as even the general population mm -hmm. because those people have entirely different goals when it comes to their activity levels. Yeah. yeah, you want everybody to be able to move. But when I talked about this with Kaylee, it's that idea of the athletic therapist only being there to tell you that you can't go on the field. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're exactly not what we're here for. Yeah, we, we go to school just so you can have the authority to take you out of playing. Yeah. And you're, so how do you um, approach return to play for an athlete? Like, let's say for your football, and I know this is, can't be totally generalized. If you're looking at a musculoskeletal injury, how, how do you approach the return to play? Like, do you have steps that you go through or stages that they need to meet to then return to competitive sports, especially in a contact sport like yeah, football? Normally, it's like full range, 80% strength. Um, as long as they're able to do what their sport man or position mandates. Requires of them. Yeah. Like if you're not able to do certain things, then it's, you're gonna, it's going to make you more vulnerable. Then you're not ready. Like a quarterback that can't drop back. Yeah. Because his knee or ankle won't allow him. Exactly. They can actually increase the risk of somebody else getting injured, depending yeah. on what position you're playing. Exactly. Right? Because if your O-line has an injury that doesn't allow them to predict the quarterback. Yeah. You're now setting your quarterback to be oh, for completely, completely annihilated. Yeah. So that's my thing is like 80% strength or 
8% strength, 4 range, and as long as you're able to you know, perform the, your duties without putting you in a vulnerable spot, then you so you generally do testing yeah. on the sidelines before that. Yeah. Yeah. I always told my athletes, especially with lower body injuries, if you can't walk, what makes you think you can run? Yeah. Right? Walk becomes before running. Yeah, exactly. And you have a running sport. So to limp around yeah. just by simply walking, like you're not like, you're yeah. not getting on the field yet. Like you're ignorant to the fact that you require a lot more movement than what you've got right now football is also an interesting sport in its own regard is that your sport of choice because you covered a ton of hockey like would you go back to a hockey because i always found hockey was a lot less stressful um, for me to be my sport of choice is soccer i started with soccer okay and then so i was with that team in the united soccer leagues the uh, american base league um, in the summers when I was at Sheridan. So that was always mine. And then I did the Olympic men's soccer team um, for their Rio Olympic qualification. But that at school during the school year, I was with hockey. So basically summer sport was soccer and then my winter sport was uh, hockey. And then, then it was just hockey was more available out there to get positions with. Oh, there's so many hockey teams. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'll do. I would love to go back to hockey. Uh, don't know if I would love to go back full time. Maybe just do games here and there. Or... Yeah, because that's a lot of work. Yeah. Did did most of your hockey teams require you to be like dual, like you were equipment manager and yeah, for all like the minor stuff there I was, um, and then when I did my fourth year placement with the Guelph Storm in Ontario Hockey League, that was just. ATs and JTs and the equipment of the equipment managers, but at that year time, half the teams had athletic, their athletic therapist also the equipment manager. Um, so basically, we were the head of both, and then you had assistants and most likely the equipment side of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you were doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, both Guelph was, we had the equipment staff and then we had the medical staff. Um, when I was with Mississauga, as after I graduated, I also didn't have a I didn't get a job in athletic therapy right away. So I was helping Mississauga out as an assistant equipment manager, um, just so I can get more experience with the equipment side, just in case I did get a job that I need to know both. Go smart. So you keep on adding to your credentials. This continues to today because you are adding more and more letters to the back of your name yeah. from the sounds of it. Yeah. And most recently, we discussed before a hit record on some of the more personal training aspects that you're adding. So what does that look like? Like, where are you using those credentials? What credentials do you have? Yeah, so right now I have my athletic therapy. I have the RMT, the SOS, and then I also have the PES, which is the Performance Enhancement Specialist. So what is it? What does that entail? Uh, so that would be kind of your strength and conditioning. Um, so more of your high-performance athletes. But I just don't use it just for high-performance. A lot of it is I use it is just giving people that are looking for something different to do in the gym. Um, I'll create kind of a workout. Right now I have a, a workout with a, a teenage speed skater. 
Um, so trying to give her something different so she kind of enjoys going to the gym um, to strengthen up. But yeah, I kind of use that giving exercises to uh, my athletic therapy patients. So I'll kind of give them uh, exercises um, for their rehab. So do you offer specialized programming as something completely separate yet? Uh, not yet. A lot of it is just people ask me personally if I'd be interested in doing it. So I've done it, but I haven't really gone out there and promoted that I do it. Okay. The PS, the PES, I just finished that probably about a month, month and a half ago. So I, I often hear about the strength and conditioning coach program, which is very popular and well known within our community. What would you say is the biggest difference between the program that you chose to get certified in? And the generic strength and conditioning coach um, program. To be honest, I'm not sure what the, I don't what the difference. There probably is differences, um, but for me, I did the PES it was just because of my learning um, style. Like with CSCS, um, it was a lot of oh, here's the textbook, read it. It's a huge textbook. I have that textbook. Yeah. It is. Yeah, you yeah. can you can kill somebody with that textbook. Yeah, and I started trying to study when I was at Sheridan still. Yeah. Um, so I think I started studying that textbook like 10 times, and I just couldn't. Oh, you sound exactly like me. Yeah. I have started that book over and over, and it's so incredible. Yeah, so they boring. have like their outline. They have some study guides and a textbook. And then with PES, it was textbook as well but then they also had online so everything was online with PES but so you would read the chapter and then they'd have activities um, and videos for you to watch as well and I do a lot better um, with that type of learning than just reading the textbook I was never great at studying the textbook so that's why I did the like PES for your certification exam for athletic therapy when all you had to do was yeah they give you a list of 50 books that you need to know yeah, to go so, to yeah that was tough for me yeah I feel your pain with that and that textbook the strength and conditioning textbook it, whatever it is it's an incredibly painful read and I also have started it 10 times and I, yeah I can't get through it it's brutal. That's that's interesting. I will definitely have to link that certification at the bottom of this yes. so that other people can take CSCS a look at CSCS is a lot more well-known, I believe. Especially in a university setting. Yeah. I think they really push people to get that. Yeah, like professional sports. Yeah. Came across PES and kind of like, oh, try this. Can't be any worse than me studying. Try to study it 10 times. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, style is a lot better for my type of learning. Is the testing the same? Because isn't there uh, an in-person test with this? This the PES um, was online test. Okay, good. It was like 200 questions. 200 questions, two hours, I believe. Okay. So I'm kind of like our CATA exam. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can do it at home. Um, but then CSCS, you have to go to like a testing setting. Yeah, the online component is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that myself because we're always looking for continuing education credits that actually give us substance as mm -hmm. opposed to just... Just doing it because you have to get your units. Yeah. You also sell a variety of bracing. Yes. Yes. When did you start doing that? That's been a few years. Uh, that's probably 
I've always done the custom knee braces. Yeah. Probably when I started clinic in 2019, but then I didn't get into like the other bracing until I came to this birth location. Do you think that bracing is more effective than taping? Um, it, so taping, um, it would probably, there's a place for it, for both, like taping, you know, it's, it's convenient, it's convenient, but it's, quick it's, and it's cheap and it's more suited. Like, you know, you tape an ankle, like the tape's going to surround your ankle, mm-hmm. kind of custom. But if you get like an ankle brace, you know, it's off the shelf that they have to build it for the general public. So it's not going to fit as well or as snug. So, you know, if it's, if you're like playing sports and you're looking to get taped and brace, um, normally it's like brace for practices and then tape for the games. And you can always do a combination. Exactly. And I find if you're looking at, and, and Kaylee and I mentioned this briefly as well, when you're looking at um, taping, it doesn't always maintain forever. Yeah. So taping an ankle works a lot better than taping for an ACL injury for the knee. Yeah. Exactly. So there's certain body parts that taping works better than bracing and vice versa. Do you do any of the kinesio taping? Yeah. And what do you think of the kinesio taping? Um, I use it more for like inflammation. So to help kind of lift the tissues, allow for more movement underneath, allow fluid to move. Um, I've heard some people like use it for prophylactic taping, mm-hmm. which it's, that's not what it's made for. Um, but yeah, I think it's a place and time for kinesium taping as well. Yeah, I can also give it half decent feedback. Yeah. When, because some people get taped for postural. Yeah, like postural taping. And it can just be there for. I don't know, just kind of remind you if it starts to tighten that maybe your posture is not that great. So it's a, it's a feedback to, oh, you know, fix it. Right. Pull back. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would completely agree with you on there's a time and place for both. And to completely rely on one or the other for absolutely every circumstance, it's going to depend. Exactly. Yeah. What are your thoughts on icing? Because it's been very controversial on like when and where you should ice. Yeah. Again, a time and a place for yeah, me personally. There's, yeah, there's time and place. Um, you know, it, when it happens, the injury happens, the ice is, you know, great to help limit the pain, you know. People say that once you put ice, you're damaging the tissues. And, but uh, yeah, there's two sides of the fence to that. And I'm kind of in the middle. I'm in the middle too because I don't think it needs to be used for absolutely everything um, and for a variety of reasons. Some people are actually allergic to it mm-hmm. have an allergic response. Clearly, you should not put ice on those people. Um, the other half of it is I find that it's helpful to take down that initial pain and if your pain is brought down with the ice and it allows you to sleep, yeah. I think that is very helpful because you're healing during sleep. Yeah. So if you're not sleeping, you're not healing. Exactly. Yeah. People get very dramatic about icing and I don't understand. It's almost like bringing up the topic of nutrition when people are stuck on a certain diet. It's like, you should, people go like, never. Everything in rehab is relative. You can't yeah. generalize that much about any of it. 
there's better times to be icing. Like if you have an ankle injury and you're still icing four weeks after the initial injury, you might need to look at your rehab yeah, program. Yeah, if you should be icing that much or that long post post injury. injury. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your clinic because you have two clinic spaces. Um, are they basically similar? Like you work the same out of both of them? Um, I provide almost the exact same services out of both. Um, the one in Berg's more, I would say, more of my main main location. Your primary location? Yeah, yeah. so I'm here um, there four days out of the week. And then the other location can in there basically a day, all day Monday and half the, like Wednesday afternoons. Is that a shared space, the one in yeah, Canning? So I just rent a state uh, room. Um, and there's uh, another massage therapist there. And um, there's some cosmetology services that are offered mm-hmm. there as well. So a bit more of a spa setting yeah, more than a sports spa, yeah. setting. So do you find the treatment there is different than your own space? Like do you get a lot more people that just want a very passive, relaxing there's, massage? Um, not really. A lot of it is like therapeutic massage. Same with the other massage therapist, the clinic owner. She's therapeutic as well. But I do a lot more massages there than I do therapy treatments. Be- primarily because of the setting. Yeah. Okay. And then your bird fun, you do, what, what is the ratio of AT to massage generally? When I first started, I'd probably say like 95% massage or even higher. Yeah. Um, in Burnt. Now it's very, it's, um, not 50-50, but it's, it's starting to it's trend there. that way. It's getting there. What do you think is the biggest hurdle with people when it comes to just you pro- end up providing more massage than ET. What do you, why do you think people pick the massage? Because you're the same practitioner. Mm-hmm. You're likely going to end up treating both hours quite similar yeah. because oh. of just your manual. A lot of people will do it because of the insurance. Um, they have more insurance for massage and then they have for like therapy coverage. And a lot of times they don't have enough, like athletic therapy kind of in their policy. Um, I find that a lot of the bigger companies around don't have the athletic therapy coverage compared to the smaller companies that do. But yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons why they do the massage. And even if they have the massage or athletic therapy coverage within their insurance, quite often we can't direct bill. Correct. I think the only insurance company that allows us to direct bill now is Blue Cross. And that is it. Yeah, I believe that's the only one. Yeah, so that's quite a hurdle yeah. when providing therapy. And is that one of the reasons why you added massage therapy to your? Not the only reason. Um, like back in when I was sharing a lot of like we did massage in our as part of our program, we did like a unit in one of our manual therapy classes, and I'm kind of got just there. And then I've always wanted to work with the national program with any sport and a lot of times money there's money constraints so they'll pick people that can um, do multiple jobs and that's kind of got me interested in doing massage and it kind of blends well with the athletic therapy Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to do it. I found going through massage you you just improve your skills as far as 
manual, like your yeah. touch skill. Yeah. Right. I was told that once I, after I was done massage, my uh, palpation skills got a lot better. Yeah, I found this because there's there's such an emphasis on it, right? Yeah. You're you're touching just in general, treatment-wise, so many more people exactly. for massage and for a lot longer. Yeah. So um, for athletic therapy, every appointment isn't necessarily an hour long, but Correct. your massage, you're with somebody in the room and hands-on treatment for a full 60 minutes. Yeah. And that does change things. So tell us, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your offers in your clinic what you provide, yes. where you're at. So right now I'm um, an added rapid neurofascial release um, and also laser treatment. So give us a little bit of a close notes, kind of a description on so both of those. Rapid, um, more focused on the bone than the muscle. It's basically trying to reset pain signals back to the brain, kind of to tell the brain that um, it's okay to move. Like if you have pain in the shoulder and you can't really go up, uh, flex all the way up, you know, we do treatment there, kind of let the brain know it's, it's all right. And kind of, yeah, just send uh, different signals back up there and just try to ease the brain a bit. And it is painful, but uh, at the same time, it does wonders. Um, and then with the laser, um, it's just kind of penetrates deeper than what a therapeutic ultrasound would and kind of targets the cell, the energy creating part of the cell to create more energy and create a better healing environment. Um, helps with scar tissue, wound healing, muscles, ligaments. Enjoyments. You took a modality course within athletic therapy, I'm assuming, because yes. I did as well. Um, laser was definitely not included. Uh, we in touched that. upon it, um, but it wasn't like one of the ones that we really focused on. Your primary focus is probably ultrasound and tens. Tens, nems. Yeah. And then we had to do like assignments. Um, so it was like, so I did like shockwave and laser. Shockwave is so painful. Never had it done. Oh my god, I did. I had a dental plantar fasciitis, and I never thought I could experience something so painful. And I say this even after experiencing like dry needling, which was also incredibly uncomfortable, but it was still at the not the same level of shockwave. Like shockwave, it feels like elastic bands are getting snapped against your skin repeatedly, mm -hmm. like. Do the hook the whole yeah, treatment. It it's, doesn't sound like it was miserable. It was miserable. And then I had to move to a more like a, I had to change the way I treated my plantar fascia. Yeah. It wasn't my feet, it was my hips. But nobody ever I self-diagnosed that one. Because yeah. <laughs> nobody ever went there. The side of pain, not what's causing yeah, it. Right? Do you find that's a bit of an issue? Yeah. Yeah. Like let's just get you over your symptoms, but don't find the underlying cause. Exactly. Yeah. I find that a lot. So I'll, if someone comes in, I'll treat, you know, where they're experiencing pain, but then I'll start going different parts, kind of going on an expedition, kind of seeing where, what is the problem causing that pain? Because sometimes it's not where the location of the pain is. But a lot of times it's not. Yeah, and for people to understand, like your therapist knows that your foot hurts. 
and they should be treating the pain site. Like we're not saying completely ignore the actual site of pain, but if it's your left foot, your right hip might be an issue. Yeah. And that's Sharon that we were told that repeatedly is treat the site of pain, but you're also trying to find what's causing that. So always look above and below. Above and below the joint. Yeah. Clear the joint above and below is what they always say. Yeah. yeah. So try to see what's causing it. So you always treated the location of the pain and then you treated above the site and above, below and above and then kind of see where else, you know, what could be causing that. I found AT looked at the same limb, generally, above and below. And massage kind of added to that by saying compensatory. Yeah. So it's now looking at the completely the other side and sometimes reviewing the upper body yeah. if it was a lower body injury. Yeah, exactly. Massages always make sure that both sides felt the same. Yes. You compare. You're always comparing the tissues. And I I don't know if you've had this, but clients who are like, my my knee hurts. It's my knee, my knee. I'm like, and you have to kind of talk them through the whole, mm -hmm. there can be more than one thing going on. If this pain's been for a while, you've likely compensated in some way to avoid the pain and yeah. probably created an issue somewhere else. Or what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like, that, yeah. One thing that I always go to with my patients is when I got Sheridan, one of our professors always quizzed us on if this is hurting, what it could be causing it. And one of the times it was like, I forget what shoulder it was, but it was like, your shoulder is painful. Um, like, what could be causing it? And there was like, oh, it could be this or it could be that, um, you know, stroke or you know, dislocation. And then he was like, yeah, but also pick the keyboard in the foot. Oh, yeah, or the great toe, yeah. right? It's like, what? What does that have to do with the shoulder? Yeah. yeah. So it's like everything's connected that, you know, even something furthest away from that body part could be causing the problem. Yeah. And be the actual cause of the issue, yeah. right? Like the shoulder pain is their complaint, but the shoulder might not necessarily be the cause it can be anywhere else and you've just and i actually had a patient come in and i told that story because actually my athletic therapist did work on my foot after like he's he like exactly the same thing happened my shoulder was hurting my athletic therapist worked on my foot and my shoulder pain went away yeah it's interesting for referral patterns too yeah. how when you start looking away from the site that they're getting the issues yeah. and and a big red flag is like generalized Oh, it just hurts. Well, where? Oh, it just the whole thing. Like it just aches. Yeah. So, like going back to the knee earlier, I always check the hips to see how the hips are. Yeah, that's a big one for people is hips. Or, or ankle mobility is another one I find yeah. people really struggle with because we're like constantly splinting our feet with shoes mm -hmm. and our ankles don't get the kind of movement that they need. Yeah. And do you also find that sometimes you'll ask people if they've injured something else before? And the answer is no, until you start working on them. And then they're like, oh, yeah, actually, um, I sprained my ankle two years ago. Yeah, I get that. And also with massage, it's like, oh, what's bothering you today? It's like, oh, nothing. It's like my left side. It's kind of a little thing, uh, bugging me, but that's really it. And then you go to the right side. And like, oh, I didn't actually really think my right side was a problem, but it's really sore compared to the left. 
I've had a lot of people do that as well, where you'll be working on one side and they'll be like, uh, that, you know, that's uncomfortable. I knew this was going to be sore there. That's where I'm having my pain. And then you move to the other side and they do, they go like, Oh, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that was so tight. Yeah. yeah. No, people really, but it, it always starts off with, well, most people, it usually starts off with, it's just my ankle. It's just like me. Mm -hmm. Why are you yeah. looking at my shoulders? Well, I'm big. I like a lot of education. That's kind of where I like to do is like kind of illustrate um, and talk to the patients a lot about like what's going on, what am I doing, why am I doing. So especially with the assessment, uh, I'll bring. I have in my room uh, posters of muscles, the skeletal system, and. Also bring my laptop out if I have to pinpoint something so they can understand and visualize what I'm saying instead of just trying to shake nod their head like yeah I know what you're saying sure, but sure, I sure. really don't know what you're saying but I don't know where the quads are yeah so I have, I'm very um, and my assessments are very um, educational yeah and that's important because then they can take an active role in their therapy and it's not 100 percent passive yeah, exactly. which I think is important because the biggest advocate for your health is yourself. And if you don't understand what's going on with you and why, then you're no benefit to the rest of your treatment because you'll you'll not know why you have to do the squats. Exactly. And you need to know the why to stay consistent doing it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they just feel like they're going through the motions and they have no active input. Exactly. Yeah, and I do find that sometimes I forget how little people actually know about the musculoskeletal system because now that I've been... Well, it's going to be 14 years in the profession. Um, knowing where the quads are is just innate to me. Like yeah. when you say VMO, I can picture it immediately. But so many people just have no idea and will come in saying their hamstrings are bothering them and it's actually their quads yeah. because they just, they just don't know. And it's not on them to know, but it's on us to educate. Exactly, yeah. We have to kind of educate them. Sometimes clients are are not always open to asking the questions because they don't want to think that they're stupid. Like they don't want us to think that they don't know anything. So yeah. they don't ask the questions. Um, how do you make a client feel comfortable enough to do that? Like, where do you go from there to say, like, it's okay. Ask any question. Normally it's just kind of talking to them, like having a conversation, even if it's not uh, specific to the injury, just, you know, Talking to make them feel comfortable that they're willing to open up and ask their questions. Build a relationship yeah, with them? Yeah, like it's not just, yeah, you're here for your knee. That's all we're going to talk about. And from now on, I'm going to refer to you as a person with knee pain. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen. Not exactly. So yeah. when they come in, it's like, hey, how was, you know, how was this last week? And then they just feel like, oh, like we're friends. Or kind of makes them just feel a lot more comfortable coming in. Yeah, I don't want to make anybody angry, but I've had a few clients who've come from physiotherapists, and this isn't anything against the profession because I don't think you can um, tag everybody within a profession under a certain umbrella because we all work very differently. Mm -hmm. Like even you and I, who have the exact same credentials, we're both ATs, we're both RMTs, we both have a kin background. Like we have very close to the same, but we're not going to treat somebody identically. No. It's just not going to happen. But I have had people who, and because there's so many more PTs here, 
would likely come from a physiotherapist when they come see me, yes. um, have complained about being like just another number or just another, you know, patient mm -hmm. in the line. Yeah. Um, and being bumped around from table to table, only getting physio aids and not be even getting a chance to develop a relationship. Yeah. Do you find some people walk in here thinking that they're just going to be that next, I've you know? Had, yeah, you know? I have a few come in kind of, you know, first off, not really know what like therapy is, and then kind of not really expect to have the one-on-one -on -one, um, relationship. Well, then I do have a lot of people, they do come to me because it is one-on-one. And they've gone through the physio, um, you know, certain clinics. Um, you know, some are more one on one than others. Um, but yeah, a lot of people come from like the, the ones that you see your physio for 15, 20 minutes, and then you see your PTA after that to go for the exercises, and they come here and they enjoy the the one on one aspect with their therapist yeah. for the whole time. Yeah. Um, not I, to say that there's not a flight therapy clinic that do the. 15, 20 minutes with their like therapist and then you see somebody else move on. Not say that there isn't stuff like that happening, but you know, for the most part, we work one on one. Yeah, we we work in general, like if you were to generalize both, one kind of pushes the 15-minute appointments, heavy modalities for a lot of them. And again, that's not going to all of them because there are some ATs that rely heavily mm -hmm. on a modality and it goes back to the time and a place. Yeah. But I know a client of mine who should have required primarily a manual stop treatment and was just left on machines. Yeah. And I've worked with in a couple of clinics and one was they're both PT clinics and one was modality based and the other one was a mixture, kind of more similar to the athletic therapy. Um, Around treatment, that you know, sometimes you use modalities, and other times you just do manual with exercise. I think it's important too for patients and clients to understand that you need to find a therapist that works for you. Exactly. Like if it's not working with one therapist, if it's a physio or an athletic therapist or an osteo, it's not to say that that isn't going to work. Maybe might be. Um, the therapist treating you, maybe you just have to switch and find another clinic or find another therapist that suits your um, goals and yeah, I guess it would be your goals. It, it would be your health goals, yeah. right? And if you don't think that you're getting um, everything that you need out of them, and this isn't saying that sometimes there needs to be a little bit of continuity of care, like you can't always go searching for an answer you're looking for. Mm -hmm. To can just confirm something that you just want to hear um, but if you're genuinely just it's not working with that therapist and, and I, sometimes i think it's because they don't want to offend us yeah. as the therapist they don't want to say this isn't working um i need to either add something to my care what would you recommend um they, do, they don't even want to come out and say ask that yeah. like, do you find that sometimes your clients um, who you haven't had a chance to build a relationship with, do you struggle with that? Or you finally build the relationship with them and then they're comfortable with telling you that they want to expand their healthcare provider team? Um, for me, it's a little bit of both. A lot of times I will, because I always ask the next time they come in, it's like, how are you feeling? How did you feel after the last treatment? And they're really open with that. And then from there, I'll kind of, you know, if they're not willing to 
say anything, I'll kind of say like, is there anything you want to change? Kind of get them involved more in their rehab um, than just saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. You do these exercises and that's it. And I feel like getting them more involved in decision-making helps them all like kind of open up a lot easier. Yeah, I find the exact same thing. And I have had clients eventually um, tell me, and I have not only do they ask me like, would you consider acupuncture a good idea to add? Like, should I see an acupuncturist? Yeah. And I often say, well, there's nothing wrong with giving a new modality a try or a new therapist a try. Yeah. And then they'll sometimes come back with like, oh, I wasn't sure that you'd be okay with me seeing somebody else. Yeah. And you want to be like, you need to develop a team that works for you. Whether that's seeing four different massage therapists, you see four different massage therapists because none of us are going to be the same again, exactly. right? Yeah. Well, sometimes after I'm seeing this, a client or patient um i'll say hey like have you ever thought of maybe doing this as well like, to go with the athletic therapy I'm like oh yeah i never really thought of that and then they'll go and it's like oh yeah coming to see you and going to see so-and-so has helped a lot yeah building that team yeah yeah and i just want to make sure everybody's clear on that it's okay if your therapist is comfortable with himself and putting you first like it's always about the client yeah. and client care. And it's utmost importance to put them first. If you find another therapist that can give you benefits, we think that's a great idea because yeah. it can only build on what we're doing because exactly. we can't do everything. everything. Yeah. yeah, We can't be everything to everybody. Sometimes you need to add in, you know, the techniques of an osteo or a nutritionist, even a life coach. Like we can't, we can't cover every base. So if something's, if you think you want to try something, um, by all means, give it a try. Not everything's going to work for everybody. And again, you could see the same, you could see four different massage therapists and get four completely different treatments that can benefit you in four different ways. There's never one right way. No, no. And I think some of that does come from our world a little bit within the healthcare provider world, because we, people create conflict where there's no need for conflict, right? Like between ATs and PTs and, and, you know, I'll, I'll hear PTs slag on chiros and chiros slag on PTs. Yeah. And it's like, we all have the same and go. Right, which is for our client to get better, move well, and be healthy. Exactly. And so who cares if they're seeing 10 of us? And there's a right time and place for everything. So, yeah. 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 Every profession brings... Something to the table. Exactly. And every individual therapist brings something to the table. Exactly. Yeah. So building that healthcare team. And I'm glad to have somebody like you come on and be able to say that because professionally... Like you have been in quite a few different streams of what an athletic therapist would work at, right? Yeah. You've kind of hit every professional designation that we've been able to yeah. accomplish as ATs and now adding RMT and improving and doing that not only to just be able to bill more, um, which professionally just helps us be able to put food on the table, but it also builds us, um, you know, as a profession itself, of your skills. Like you improved your skills just by going to school again. Yeah. Which is, yeah, unbelievable. It's a tough, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's not tough easy. going back to school. Yeah, I hate school in general. It wasn't for sports. Like 
wouldn't do well in school. Well, and I think you just kind of outlined your way of learning, right? It's just not conducive with a traditional, um, even a professional co college like ICT. Like it's just not conducive yeah. with the way that they teach, um, which hopefully since COVID changes things because the online platforms are definitely expanding, yeah. Yeah. which is, you know, beneficial for both of us because we both, I think, learn quite similar. Yeah, and especially without Nova Scotia, um, especially for like CEUs, like there's not too many courses available in person. Um, so you always had to fly or drive and now that more and more going online. So a lot easier. Yeah, so it gives us more opportunity to expand our knowledge because it's actually available to us and we don't have to fly to Toronto or, or anywhere else just to get the the experience yeah, we're looking for. Exactly. Awesome. Well thank you, Mark. We've hit about an hour. So I think uh I think you'll let I'll let you, I know, right? When you're having fun. I'll let you get on with your date. Why don't you just drop a couple places for people to find you? Yeah, um, I have Instagram and Facebook for um, the clinic and it's Francis Sports Therapy. And uh, yeah, just go there and find out more information www.fstherapy.ca. And you do offer online booking, correct? Yes. Perfect. So people can just go on and exactly. book with you both athletic therapy yeah. and massage. Uh, laser and rapid. Perfect. And then soon to be a you know aspect of potentially personal Probably training can, yeah. and programming which i'm going to encourage you to just yeah jump on board that yeah. create your niche yeah i think once the clinic does goes through a reno they'll probably start doing that that's awesome yeah well congratulations with everything you've accomplished thank you and uh, i hope you have a good day you too Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my podcast. If you would like to get athletic therapy or massage therapy treatment, you can go to my website at www.forskatetherapy.ca. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Forskate Therapy, or you can always send us an email if you have any questions or concerns about any of the podcasts that have been released to date. It would be forskatetherapy at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.